time for, for quite a while, maybe for three days or four days, was just absolutely full of pilgrims. And the vast majority of these pilgrims were young, uh, young people in their teens even, teenagers, as well as in their 20s. And they were coming from all different countries all over the world. Um, and the, the reason I think they were young was, well, I think John Paul II kind of captured the imagination of young people. But uh, more than that, it's very, very difficult. What they did was it was fig- physically very rigorous, and only a person who was younger could, could handle it. For example, um, the Polish uh, youth in particular, because they wanted uh, kind of like the best seats in the, in the house, so to speak, they got into the piazza of St. Peter's Square, and they stationed themselves for about 30 hours or so ahead of the uh, liturgy to even get those seats because I mean, that's how much competition was. So it was about 30 hours and they slept through the night and this is on the stone. So, you know, this is why it was all full of young people in the piazza because they're the only ones that could have, could have handled that. But they were singing all night long. I could hear outside the place that I was staying in my, in the, the dormitory. I could hear people singing and, uh, having a good time and the whole, the whole city was alive, uh, with, this just lively faith. It was a wonderful, wonderful um, opportunity and experience for me. And it was people from, I, I, I would imagine there were probably two different, two dozen, I'm sorry, two dozen cultures that were there and all these different languages. And it was, it was really wonderful. So I, I think it's important to, to pair up John Paul II and John XXIII. Um, they're carrying on. One began and one carried on, and I think Pope Francis is trying to carry on as well. A very important reform uh, that started to take place in the uh, in the 1950s, in the late 1950s, and that is that the church in general was saying to itself, okay, we have to modify things. We've got to change our presentation of the gospel um, because modern man... Uh, it's very difficult to evangelize. Modern people are very, very difficult uh, to evangelize. It's much easier to go and to evangelize someone who's never heard the gospel. who's got no contact with Christianity whatsoever. A lot easier to evangelize them. You go to just these pagans in Africa or China or wherever and you preach to them the gospel, it's pie. It's easy as pie compared to people in Western civilization because people in Western civilization have heard it before. Culturally, historically, they're coming from a Christian civilization and they're post-Christian. And they're, they've been inoculated to the name of Jesus. And they're sick of it. They're sick of Christian morality. They're sick of Christianity. And that's the modern Western mentality. So the church in the 50s and the early 60s was saying, you know, we really have to take serious stock uh, as to how we, we need to address the modern world. And so that's really the origin of the Second Vatican Council. And John Twenty-Third, in his, his not encyclical, but a very brief letter he wrote, it's only a two-page letter or so, uh, that he that he wrote in the opening of the Second Vatican Council, Mater et Magistra, I think it's called. And in there he, he, he says that the modern man does not respond very well to... Um, kind of authoritative uh, um, dictation of what is right and wrong and condemning the wrong and praising the right. Like that sort of traditional moral guidance and instruction does not work 
for modern people. They're just, they just tune it off, tune it out and turn it off in their minds. They don't listen to it. And so he says, for the modern world, what you really need is, a, is explanation and persuasion. And other popes after John the 23rd talked about how the gospel needs to exercise the power of attraction to people. And we should be emphasizing more the positive aspects. And there's absolutely nothing wrong in previous ages of the church when uh, preachers and popes and bishops took a more kind of austere, severe um, approach to the gospel. Nothing wrong with it because it worked. It worked. It produced fruit. People converted. Okay. If you read the homilies of someone like St. Alphonsus, an Italian saint from the 1700s, you read his homilies and they're like, wow. I mean, it's all fire and brimstone, but it worked. People converted. And uh, what the, the general wisdom of the Holy Spirit in the church today is that that approach, that kind of severe, austere approach in general, is not going to be as effective as a more sort of positive, optimistic, upbeat, evangelical kind of mindset. And that's really, this is what the Second Vatican Council is about. It wasn't about changing the substance of our doctrine. It wasn't about updating things to the modern world in the sense of, you know, we're going to just compromise and liquidate our whole heritage and flush everything we've always believed down the drain. But what we're going to do is we're going to change our approach uh, to the presentation of the gospel, not the, not its content. So John the Twenty Third is an amazingly important figure because he initi- initiated all of that, inaugurated it, he put it into motion. And um, I love our, our passage from Saint Paul today. Our, in our first reading, he says this, and I think this is the secret between John the Twenty Third. Uh, he says. Oh, first of all, here's Paul taking a more, uh, you know, hardcore, austere approach, right? He's saying, oh, stupid Galatians, who has bewitched you? And Paul is getting really, um, you know, kind of hardcore with them. Well, it worked, obviously, because they received his letter, they converted. Otherwise, they wouldn't have passed the, the letter on. They would have taken his letter and flushed it down the toilet. So it actually worked for the Galatians, okay, uh, this austere approach. But this is what he says, though. O stupid Galatians, who has bewitched you before whose eyes Jesus was publicly portrayed as crucified? Before whose eyes Jesus was publicly portrayed as crucified. Now the Galatians never saw Jesus in his earthly ministry. They weren't there in Palestine when he was crucified. So what is St. Paul talking about? Before whose eyes Jesus was portrayed as publicly crucified. Well, I think that it's in Paul himself. He presented to the Galatians an image of Christ crucified through the Eucharist. Okay, the Eucharist is a sign of the sacrifice of Jesus Christ as well as an effective channel through which its virtue and power is conducted to us. But it's a sign. Uh, So sacramentally, Paul is talking about, he's talking about in his preaching of the gospel, but he's also talking about in his own life himself, that he himself lived a crucified cruciform life, and that thereby Jesus was presented to them. Now, John the 23rd, some people might think, well, you know, he's a good time Charlie, you know, he's kind of this chubby guy, you know, this jolly figure, and, you know, did he really live a crucified life? He did. He did, absolutely. He was a man of great sacrifice uh, throughout his life. If you study what he did in his ministry before he was Pope, uh, and so... His ability to be this kind of image of a loving, merciful shepherd was the product not of him just 
um, you know, getting with the times and and being, uh, you know, Father Happy and Good Time Charlie and all this stuff. But it really was, it really flowed forth out of a life that was genuinely crucified, that embraced the cross of Christ. I love the passage at the end of the Gospel of John. Jesus is having a conversation, the risen Lord is having a conversation with Peter, the first pope, the chief shepherd of the church. And he says to Peter, okay, so do you love me? Feed my sheep. And he's teaching Peter about how he has to be this merciful, loving shepherd that puts his people, the flock of Christ, first and foremost, and their well-being first and foremost. And so Peter says, yes, I'm ready to, to be this shepherd, this is the kind of shepherd that you want me to be. And so Jesus then goes on to tell him, he says, well, when you were young, you went as you would, but when you are old, you will stretch forth your hands. And he said that thereby signifying what kind of death Peter would glorify God. And so Peter, we know, went to the cross. Peter was destined for the cross, and he lived his whole life presenting clearly to his people Jesus Christ crucified. And it was that sacrificial life that he led that was able to make him be that loving, merciful shepherd. So also I believe that's verified in John the 23rd. So the kind of austerity and the severity oftentimes of the, of the good shepherd, he lays that on himself, but he doesn't lay it on the people. He brings to the people the, the other face of God, so to speak, the, the face of mercy and compassion uh, and gentleness. Um, so we really, really thank God for John the 23rd and we also understand the wisdom that God has given to us in this modern era, in this contemporary era, that the gospel needs to be presented in a persuasive, winning, attractive manner, uh, but nonetheless, underneath it is the same content and the same spirit of sacrifice. It's, it's always the cross, and that can never be um, compromised or left behind. And it really is the secret uh, towards presenting to the world uh, that merciful face uh, of Christ that the church is emphasizing uh, in these times post-Vatican II.